Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Level 99. I'm your host, Pete. Podcast about all things tech-related, Linux, cloud, you name it. This week is actually a very exciting topic that I've been wanting to get into, and actually one of my most favorite projects I ever got to work on is Cloud Custodian. And with us today, I'm actually very excited to introduce is Kapil, who is actually the co-founder of Cloud Custodian. Uh, would you go ahead and mind introducing yourself and a fun icebreaker? I like to do is most fun or proudest project you ever work on. And I have a feeling, I think we already know what that one's going to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Hi, my name is Kapil. Uh, I self-identify as a developer. Uh, I have been doing open source for uh, 20 plus years and I've, I've come across lots of cool, interesting products along the way, participated in lots of communities, uh, got started in you know, when I started, open source was that fringe group of hippies in the late 90s to now it's the de facto way everyone builds software. And, and uh, Cloud Custodian has been a joy to help grow, build the project and grow the community. So if you don't mind in your own words, how would you explain what Cloud Custodian is in like in a high overview of someone who's never even heard of it? So, I mean, uh, Cloud Custodian is sort of like a rules engine slash cloud orchestrator, uh, which doesn't mean anything to anyone. So what I try to focus on is, you know, it is a way to affect real-time changes in your environment or to dial up the governance through policy as code within your environment. And in that regard, it, it you know, the policies themselves try to be highly readable um, in a YAML DSL. Uh, because in the same way that we write lots of code and we read lots of code, um, we want lots of people to read things and understand what was being done in the environment. Uh, so that I think it helps productivity on writing as well. Um, but at a high level, uh, Cloud Custodian is a rules engine to help you manage your cloud, to help you be well managed in the cloud. And it covers off on lots of different business style use cases from security, Cost optimization, operations, compliance, governance is the rubric, the umbrella, the Big Ten umbrella <laughs> that we use to put all those pillars under. So, who is a custodian for? Like, what? Who was it like meant for? Uh, so, I mean, Clock Studio originated as like a side of desk project. Uh, I was at Capital One when they were sort of going full steam into the cloud, and I was in the trenches for the first few production apps to go, and I was like, "What's?" stopping us from going faster or empowering developers in the org. And then mm -hmm. a lot of it was your wanted to make sure that things were secure, things were well managed, things were like uh, compliant to organization policies. And a lot of those things were just one-off scripts, you know, and um, they were being done by different teams and different orgs. In some cases there was like vendor tools in the play and like, I would go to like the, you know, the CISO team and like security org and they're like, we have this big wall of red. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but you know, that's not actually helping anyone. Cause like, or what if, what could you give access to that tool for the other right. teams to see? And it was like, well, the security doesn't like tool doesn't actually have any security controls or are back inside of it. So no. <laughs> um, and so like part of it was just recognizing that larger orgs, require like communication is one of the harder problems in larger orgs and being able to give real-time feedback to people as they were doing things uh was was a huge way to help enable the org to go faster um and then the other like 
a custodian policy at its guts is effectively, hey, um, pick a resource, any resource. And then, hey, let's find the interesting set of things. Uh, let's find all the EC2 instances on public subnets with an IAM role that allows them to create another user. Um, and then let's go take actions on them. Um, and that action might be stop the instance, change the role, et cetera. But the notion that you that stop action might be reused in different contexts for different policies for, say, doing off hours or for incident response. Um, and so now you've got this vocabulary of filters, actions, and resources that you can now use to create lots of different policies um, across those different, you know, compliance, governance, security, cost optimization domains. Um, it, it was uh, sort of how we enable, try to enable people to go faster in the cloud. And then additionally, uh, be able to pick different execution modes, be able to go real time. Like, you know, if you have a database on the internet that's unencrypted, <laughs> uh, but and you respond in real time to it, uh, such that it never had any data, did it ever exist? Um, it's sort of like being able to do real-time remediation and not just give people a list of manual work and being able to communicate the current policies of the org back to individual developers in real time was sort of like the key value change that we that we started with and that we still adhere to today. So there's two things you said I really kind of want to touch base on. The first one was what you were saying about teams not knowing what you're doing or at least with uh, multiple different scripts. That's a big pet peeve of mine because that's really how like at least like silos start or shadow IT because you really don't know what the people down the hall are doing and you're just literally just wasted efforts or duplicate efforts where it could have just been a lot easier handled and at least with the with the governance part I so when I ran it I loved how you can run you know just like the dry run of getting the report and as well as like what you're saying about the post functions of just remediating all that it just made all of that so much easier and seamless because like why do you got to go in and do the manual work if you don't have to do it anymore right like it saves so much time and effort no it, it's definitely like when if you if you like you know looking at the random scripts i, I mean there's communication part i think there's different ways to, to like there's different ways to handle all the problems like you can right. you can buy vendor tools you can you know try to communicate via different channels um but being able to put it all together in something that is really simple, that you can like do policy as code, do your GitOps the same way that you do your infrastructure code with, um, but apply it to policy um, is super powerful. And then being really trans, like the, that readability part becomes super useful from, you know, a developer in an environment understanding what, what they're supposed to do in that environment. Or mm. a, a lot of this is trying to empower developers to be able to use whatever tools they want um, because, you know, you might use Ansible, you might use Pulumi, you might use Terraform, you might use PodFormation or CDK. And regardless of those tools and, or you might, you might be in the console, like, you right. know, don't want to knock it, like people do it. Um, and regardless of whatever technique you use to change, affect changes, um, because there is an API, you've got Kubernetes creating resources. You want to make sure that regardless of that, that your policies are in enforced, being enforced. And, and I mean, uh, that communication aspect is so key. I remember spending roughly two years um, after changing the tag policy 
informing all the app teams uh, <laughs> what what the actual tech policy was. They're like, oh, you mean it's changed? I'm like, yeah, about two years ago. <laughs> and so, you know, that that's just a, a bigger dimension. And there's always a backlog of these things, like on, on inside of an organization, like the org is like, you know, we go orgs move to the cloud and there, there's just, there's a learning curve mm-hmm. and then there's a refinement curve. And then the clouds themselves are constantly changing. Right. Uh, I built out a website called the uh, AWS API changes. I was at reInvent one year and I was like, you know, there's press release after press release. And I'm like, I'm a developer. Just give me, show me the field level diff on the API. And so built this out and you can see that roughly like, you know, there's five to 10 changes a week. Mm-hmm. And keeping up with that requires, um, just creates, helps inform the backlog. And, you know, you're in the cloud, take advantage of these APIs and this capabilities to help drive business value for your org. Um, and, uh, you know, the governance and the, the, uh, the operations and the security of that, you know, comes along with and having a tool that can address across all those things as they come out is, is super useful and making it and being open source means you know, people could contribute to it. Like Mm -hmm. this takes crowdsourcing, like, you know, everything like trying to rely on on a single vendor in this space, given the the velocity of all the different providers, you know, it isn't going to work. Like no, no one team, like the same way that we, we've developed, we are de facto way of building on top of building our application stacks is on top of open source. Um, We should look at that for that same mantra for, other things and in something as fast moving as cloud um it is i think key to to help to enable and empower everyone to be able to do that against uh the same problem set because none of this is none of this is key business value for orgs this is undifferentiated lifting and so accelerating them is a key factor fair enough i think what the like tools like these are not just meant for like large organizations i think even you know, small, medium, like all, anyone who's in the cloud could take benefit of this. And especially the ease of when nowadays with the new norm of like being like multi-cloud or cloud agnostic, whatever that the, the correct terms are nowadays. Cause you can just, you're not relying on just, and I hate this term cloud native. I feel like it's such like a, like a salesy like term. Um, but like you can just lift and ship. You have one tool where you can just kind of like just go across a span of different services. And I think it's so beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Clock Studion, even though it was born in the in a large regulated enterprise, um, uh, I think, you know, uh, drawing on my own experience from open source and wanting to avoid Conway's law of, a, uh, of encoding tons of policy and behavior in the tool that just didn't make sense for most organizations like clock studying is a stateless CLI. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 you can run it from your laptop or desktop. And the intent was to be as suitable to a broad audience from mom and pop shops to, to startups, to enterprises. Um, and so I think that that reflects well on some of our philosophy as we adopt features and capabilities. And of course the embracing serv- of serverless to make it operationally simple for lots of people to use. Right. And then you'd be kind of shocked when you start running Cloud Custodian and you start auditing your own re- like accounts, how you have like random resources running in Ohio that you didn't even know you had. You're like, who, who made this? Why is this stuff here? 
I mean, the, the, the first rule of governance is know who made something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the cloud providers, you know, that, that relies on some form of tagging or labeling. Um, I'm a big believer that, you know, uh, like that most orgs should adopt the cloud provider's own notion of tenancy mm -hmm. um, with regards to, you know, um, uh, account, project, subscription is the thing that they should be using for their own app boundaries. Uh, because otherwise, you know, potentially in many ways, the dirty secret of cloud is that it just takes one bad shell script and a hot loop in Jenkins to DDoS your API and potentially create an incident. Um, and so create, using those same tenancy boundaries that the cloud uses for those things is super helpful. Now, very few organizations start off that way, um, you know, and that is, uh, you know, uh, trying to help them deal with that is super helpful. But like the first part of dealing with multiple applications within an environment is making sure you have good a good tagging policy. And, and in the, the core of any governance compliance aspect is knowing who made it via a tag. And so custodian provides capabilities around auto tagging things mm -hmm. by looking at the API event and saying, oh, this user was the one who came in and did it. They didn't have a tag. Let's go ahead and put it on there. Um, you touched on another uh, interesting topic that just came out from uh, uh, Cloud Native Con uh, slash KubeCon in uh, Europe last week. And I find it so interesting that when we talk about uh, the phrase cloud native, that um, uh, we also mean not using the cloud, we mean using cloud, um, doing cloud portable abstractions, let's say. And um, that is always interesting. A lot of companies are in a multi-cloud situation through acquisition, through capability feature advancement on individual clouds. But, and I think, you know, the latter is, uh, both those things happen uh, and that that's the reality of, of you know the world and mm -hmm. i think if adopting cloud native as an abstraction so that you can go portable across clouds is maybe maybe more of a barrage than most people realize um, because yes you can uh, but should you uh, is always a good question whether or not I stand up a multi-tenant Kafka cluster or I just throw it, use Kinesis or Google PubSub um, is a vastly different operational take on the problem. And in some cases, depending on how actively the app is being de developed and, and, and the org's um, tolerance for that change and what the timeline of that change is from a risk assessment perspective, uh, it may be faster to just rewrite to go from, hey, we're using Kinesis one day uh, let's rewrite it and use Google PubSub the next day. Whereas doing um, doing fully managed data stores, messaging stores um, is a longer operational overhead that's more constant throughout. So there's always trade-offs and, and Cloud Native is really giving you the um, the rope to, to, to do all the things. Um, but we should never forget that part of the reason that orbs are moving to cloud is to go faster. And part of the capability set of those clouds is offering us new APIs that we can utilize to deliver that value faster. Whether or not we need to re-implement all those APIs on top of rate-based com computing abstractions um, is a decision left for every org to decide for themselves. No, I think that's a very excellent point and something that we all should definitely take an account for and, and think about because, you know, 
what might be best for one is not always the best for others. It's not like a cookie cutter solution as much as we we want it to be. And and I think the way you, you just explained it definitely does hit the nail on the head. Um, I think I you said it better than I ever could have. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely a topic that that uh, I, I think about. I mean, Custodian as a tool is multi-cloud. We support GCP, we support mm-hmm. Azure, we support AWS. But, you know, we feel like a native application in each of those clouds. Like we use the native serverless capabilities. We use the native like logging, monitoring stores so that you're always dealing with native uh, capabilities of the cloud providers themselves, such that um, it feels like all the other applications you're deploying in that environment. Right. So you you just mentioned, you know, custodian serverless. So that kind of takes me to my next question. When for those of who, people who are probably never heard of custodian or are just getting into cloud, how is custodian run like, or how does it run? Right. Is it on standard infrastructure or is it like you just said on, on serverless? So uh, I mentioned like the, the aspects of the policy. So the policies are defined in YAML mm-hmm. um, and they consist of a resource, set of filters, set of actions. We also have this notion of an execution mode and an execution mode. Uh, the default one is effectively, hey, just pull, use the cloud APIs, pull stuff. Um, and that is totally uh, straightforward. And you can deploy it on whatever you want. We've seen people do everything from laptops to, you know, deploying on Kubernetes to deploying on, you know, uh, Google Cloud Run to deploying in Jenkins and GitLab CI. Like, you know, that that is really an organizational choice, which we don't dictate because every organization has different needs in this regard. Now, when you choose to go choose a specific execution mode, now you're saying, you know what, I want to, I care about this event. So our execution modes cover a wide variety of capabilities. We integrate with whatever the cloud natives, uh, sorry, the cloud providers native uh, serverless execution modes are. Um, And then we sort of augment around value, like value specific use cases. So in AWS, you might pick a um, executing every time somebody runs uh, the create bucket API call. And so that is a general mantra that we adhere to across uh, the different cloud providers is we want to be custodian policies be able to introspect API calls as they're happening in real time mm. to make sure that the, whatever the parameters and the results are, are actually compliant to the org policy regardless of the tool that was made to use that, to do that API call. And so when you uh, pick an event-based mode for execution mode, what Custodian does um, is that it has effectively a serverless, its own serverless provisioning framework built into it that will actually provision, take your policy, provision that as a serverless function, create all the event sources and wire it up such that that policy is now operating in real time on those API calls and effectively in a, hermetically sealed environment so that it's resilient to other policies and other aspects of the environment. Um, so that you, once you've run it, it's provisioned, it's good and it's active and live enforcing. Definitely. So when I first started messing around with custodian, it, it was a nice, uh, touch and learning experience when I saw it was all like serverless and I was like, Oh, this is very interesting on how it, it's managed and you can run it. And my first, uh, interaction was, in my old organization, the cloud team decided to install 
custodian and, and put these jobs in, in these lambdas in all of our accounts in our department without telling us. So we come in one morning and everything is down and we're just like scrambling, like who did this without telling us? So that was my first interaction with custodian. And then we try to, you know, play ball with them, but we're like, no, okay, it's fine. Let's we're, we're taking over this in our account. So I go in, just kick them out. <laughs> they weren't too happy about it. I was like, Hey, look, we try to play ball, but you know, it doesn't work. So, and then that's where I kind of kept, you know, going into custodian and learning more. And for those of you who do want to learn more about it, I think the documentation is actually phenomenal on, on the custodian website. Cause I think anything you probably need to learn or know about it's, I think I would say it's all in there and then fair enough. And it does definitely use the, the, the scheduler with what is it, CloudWatch? And I remember one time I messed up pretty badly. <laughs> I come, come in Monday morning, I had over 500 emails. My team was not too happy about that. They were just like, dude, shut this thing off. <laughs> I was like, sorry, guys. My bad. At least it was in depth. At least it was not. You know, there, there's there's lots of different parts to, <laughs> to, 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 to get dressed in there. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, organizational boundaries and operating, you know, uh, the Spider-Man quote, uh, with great, great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing remediation and active things in someone else's environment, you need to take appropriate care. Um, and that involves a couple of things. First of all, you know, you should never be changing things without telling people mm -hmm. about things, you know, um, underneath the hood. Like if you're going to pull out the rug from somebody, you know, it's good to give them a heads up before you do the rug. Um, and so that comes out in many different ways. Uh, but a lot of that is organizational internals, mm -hmm. let's say, you know, of how the org communicates and defines how they want to roll. Um, and then secondarily, from a custodian policy perspective, you know, there are tools, tools of mass operation are also tools of mass destruction. Right. Um, I think it is the reality. Like, you know, DevOps fast sends you to your grave uh, in the to quote, to badly misquote Remo Williams, which is a really old movie from the <laughs> um, uh, which probably no one's ever seen. Um, but we have tools, capabilities within custodian to say, hey, um, if you're gonna change more than 5% of the resources in the environment, stop. <laughs> you're gonna change more than five resources, period, as an absolute count, stop. And so call these things blast radius protections. And so the reality is, is like, when you get into remediation aspects, you get into a lot of different or specific aspects on a top level of remediation, but you also get into a lot of environment specific aspects with regards to do this in prod, do this in dev. And custodian accountant is able to model all those di different capabilities, but I think there's a separate reality that what those uh, what those specifics are, are, is, are very org specific. And so, you know, this is one of the things where custodian tries to provide examples on policies and document capabilities. Um, but at the same time, we don't ship like, here's the default off hours for everyone in the world, because yeah. that doesn't exist. Um, and, you know, in many ways, what custodian tries to do is give people the tools so that they can, in the understanding that there are no green fields, right? Like the, like there's always, you know, we talked about the, the incoming queue of, around compliance and governance aspects and security aspects. And that's always about lessons learned from the org that they now want to go enforce in the field. And that means that the field is never green, even though that was a new app you just deployed yesterday, it's already old mm -hmm. in some sense. And in that sense, custodian gives you the capabilities to say, Hey, 
let's define a policy that now stops the bleeding on the net new by doing a real-time API event-based policy around the net new um, with real-time communication back to the developers via Slack um, and or email or Microsoft Teams or take your pick. And then additionally, being able to say, okay, what about the stuff that's already out there? And now we get into, well, how does the org want to deal with remediation? Do they want to say, let's chain together policies like workflows and say, let's give everyone uh, an email up front and then give them two weeks grace to go clean things up. And then we'll, we'll go ahead and start turning things off or dialing things down and then give them another week's grace before we start terminating like, and, and removing things fully. Um, and so you get into the, and what that, what that um, best policy semantic is, is very much org specific. Now, in general, you know, coming back to your original point, like you should never be doing modification, I think, to someone else's resources without notifying them, which goes back to my other earlier point, which is the most important tag you can have on all these tag compliance standards is knowing who created something, right. right? Tagging it with a communication form for the owner or creator of that resource allows you to um, communicate to them as you're changing the environment and to be more compliant with the org's current policy stance. The one thing I definitely appreciated about custodian was the how much granular control it gave you, like what you said, right? It, you can go one just for test, one just for prod, one for like your dev environments. It, it really does drill down into it and you can leverage those tags to such a great degree. And uh, what you were just saying about you know, having a two weeks grace period. So the one thing I, I'm a huge advocate or a fan of is learning from the mistakes of others. So you don't kind of repeat those same mistakes. Um, so when I saw that our old cloud team did, I kind of was reviewing their accounts to seeing how they implemented and how, you know, when I dive into it, what I can do like better. And the one thing I wanted to have is I like having a single glass panel view of everything. I don't like going into accounts specifically because let's be honest, how often can we keep ourselves honest about going into every account and triaging or going to every account and stopping those lambdas? Whereas if, if you put it in Jenkins and just put a cron on it, anyone can go in and disable that job, even if you're on vacation, right? Because the last thing you need or last thing anyone wants is you're, you're on the beach, you know, drinking a beer and you're getting a call from work saying, hey, man, how do you stop this, right? Nobody wants that. So what I had done was had one Lambda function per, for, per account, STS through it. So I had all my policies in one and, it, and I had everything on a, a Jenkins pipeline per job. So for instance, like the what you're saying about two weeks. So the EC2 instances, right? If it was deemed unfit or the snapshots were, were deemed unfit and by unfit, I mean things that are just old and ready to be decommissioned. You know, I put a tag in saying, hey, uh, termination, right? Or, or, or I don't remember what the tag was exactly, but, and then you can also, I think there was another function that I really enjoyed was it would check CloudTrail to see who's, who, who ran it or who spun it up, which you can then use that to send an email notification to. I was like, oh man, this is great. Over communication is the best type of communication. So, and then if they ever wanted to not do it, you can either then delete the tag or just, you know, put a, a fail safe with like DND, right? Like do not delete. So that way custodian has no visibility into it. It's like incognito. And then from there, send a final notification the day before, and then you finally terminate it. And then the one thing I, I always got a kick out of was, at least with the EC2s and RDSs, you can take a final snapshot using Custodian as a failsafe. I was like, there's going to be somebody at some point 
was going to come out of the woodworks screaming, why did you delete my instances? Even though there's been ample amount of notifications. But even with the with the policies, I really liked about the security functions because you, I was so shocked about how many security groups had ports open to the world. And it just baffled me. I was like, how, right? There's like, like a whole list. But I think the one thing a lot of folks um, need to remember, this is all kind of command line based and you can send, like you were saying, right? Uh, emails or Slack or send it to Splunk. So what I had known as an over precaution was forward everything into an S3. And I think that is something a lot of people need to keep in mind is whatever is an API, leverage it. So if you can just put everything and 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 toss all the output into an S3 bucket just for kind of like a fail safe, right? Just to kind of cover you because that way, you know, hey, you have you sent these notifications. And then if someone ever complains and comes after you, because this is kind of scary work, right? Like you're, you're doing governance and, and, you know, as much fun it is to terminate things, it is also kind of terrifying because you don't know when somebody might come back and saying, hey, like, why did you do that? And having that audit trail is so critical. And the, the final caveat to this, and I'll, and I'll kind of like send it over to you, is I, I wanted to have like a dashboard to review everything of, you know, the notifications of before de deleting and after. So I use Alkstack with uh, Grafana to create this dashboard. So whenever somebody was saying it, I was like, hey, man, did you check this dashboard? It's public to everyone. <laughs> and your emails too. Like, there's no way you didn't know about this. Um, but no, I, over communication is definitely yeah. key for these. Uh, definitely you're the open communication and, and you know i i'm also the founder on a, a startup that helps bring a lot of the value for custodian to be out of box at scale for organizations uh i mean i think you talked there about managing elk stacks and, and mm -hmm. sending things to s3 buckets and mainly indexing and wanting a dashboard etc you know um my company stacklet tries to accelerate organizations on top of, of cloud custodian by providing out of the box policies through the form of policy packs, um, providing out-of-the-box dashboard visualization, providing an out-of-the-box tool around um, uh, being able to do protect the inbox mm -hmm. uh, communications hub, which has you know Jira ServiceNow integration, but also like effectively replaces the open source mailer by giving you better aggregations of notifications across all of your accounts and environments. Whereas uh, the default for the open source behavior is to, to sort of you know spam folks, um, unfortunately, just because that that's what made the most sense um, when that was being built. And then additionally, being able to do capabilities around real time assets inventories with version history. Um, and so we built out a tool called AssetDB, which is effectively uh, a tool for customers to query their cloud assets via SQL, but it's built on top of custodian and it's real time. Like, so, and it keeps, and because it's in the event streams, it's able to determine like additional information about resources, like uh, like with regards to, hey, did, did how many versions of Terraform are you using? Um, hey, who who's mo modifying prod in the console? Um, and then we use that, of course, to help also power custodian uh, executions themselves to be more efficient, um, so that they don't have to hit the APIs to fetch information about resources because we already have the live, um, and so. Yeah, I mean, the, the open source is great. It's fantastically capable in many different dimensions. We continue to improve on it with a community of over 350 contributors. Um, but we also want to help accelerate because for many orgs, adopting Custodian um, ends up being, you know, 
putting a team on it mm-hmm. and, and putting resources on it to, to help make it work with that org. Um, what we try to do at Sacklet is um, accelerate that process to just deliver that out-of-the-box value. So I'm glad, kind of glad you brought up um, Stacklet because I was going to ask you about that. That what is like the end goal or what is like the, fu- like let's say tomorrow, right? They say you can have whatever you want, the final like design. What would it be for like Stacklet? Because it seems like Stack is like the 2.0 version of Custodian. Um, what would you think would be the final stage of Stacklet? Uh, I mean, you know, when when is when is someone done with governance? When is someone done <laughs> being well managed in the cloud? You know, it, it, it's it's a never ending question. Like part of it is like being able to do cost in a real good, in a solid way. Be able to say and not just have a policy, but be able to say, hey, you know, we're saving this much money. <laughs> like um, or being able to do like one of the aspects for like custodian open source roadmap is being able to start getting into um, preventative modes. Like we see a lot of the industry um, moving into sort of shift left posturing. We see a lot of the industry moving into Kubernetes more like being able to to evolve and play in those spaces is hugely key. And, you know, it's not just a 1.0, 2.0 thing. It's a foundation that expands and becomes a de facto standard in terms of the open source. And then providing people, uh, uh, organizations, the ability to accelerate and to adopt additional advanced capabilities on top of that, but while also simplifying things. Because, I mean, the end of the game is there's so much complexity in the world. Like, and, you know, part of being well-managed and well-governed is simplifying the complexity, giving you the tools that can operate broadly across all these different dimensions and value use cases Mm -hmm. across different cloud providers, but making it simple to operate and manage. I don't think there's ever an end state <laughs> of that. I think it's an, uh, an ongoing process. When did evolution stop? Well, when everything's dead. <laughs> it's the only really answer to that. Um, and the hope is that it never that things continue on. Now, with Stacklet being placed on top of Custodian, do you guys still contribute back to Custodian or is it in its own packages just to be self-efficient, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we very much uh, try to like, to the extent that we are expressing uh, things and policies and capabilities, we try to contribute back to the open source. Mm-hmm. We employ several of the top contributors to Pod Custodian uh, and continue to invest resources in and keeping Custodian up to date, uh, working with our awesome community of contributors, uh, encouraging new contributors. Um, we did a Cloud Custodian Day last year that we sponsored, um, but we had you know speakers from HBO Max and, and JPMC uh, talking about how they were using Cloud Custodian. Um, and we want to make sure that we continue to improve the community, improve the software, uh, and, and grow. And, and grow. Uh, we, I mean, at the end of the day, what is success for us with Cloud Custodian? It's being a de facto standard that everyone uses. Um, and Noted, like, you know, being a de facto standard means that, you know, you're competing with yourselves at some at some point. Um, and that's okay. Uh, the reality, but like, I'd rather have to deal with that problem than deal with the problem of a million different scripts or a million different tools all doing different things. I think from an organizational point of perspective, having a single tool that can reach across all these different value chains is so much more useful than 
every team running a separate vendor, a vendor tool that they don't even, they can't communicate with each other. Solving that, that internal communication barrier through using common tooling is really helps, I think, accelerate organizations to uh, being more efficient and well-managed. And I think what you guys are offering it kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong with Stacklet, having these like templates pre-built does kind of reduce like the, I want to say like making that like quote unquote, like the undertaking or the scary part. Cause you know, obviously whenever you take any new form of responsibility, or if you roll out any new tool, there's always a huge learning curve and being able to see something before rolling it out does help, uh, like to see what you can do with it. So for instance, like whenever I write any playbooks with Ansible, I always go to Ansible galaxy, just kind of get an idea of what I can do and what I can't do. And I think seeing that template definitely does get the gears rolling in your head like oh cool so i didn't know i could do this but now i wonder if i can take this and add some more complexity to it right it's inspiration yes. in some sense um the uh, i think you know the other part of it to me though is also making sure you're doing proper operations around it and that's one of the things we also try to provide people out of the box like you're taking a stateless cli tool and operating across in production across thousands of accounts is you know uh is a very daunting exercise, mm -hmm. um, let's say for an organization that's just adopting things. Um, and so really it's exactly what we try to do is provide that GitOps, like treat your policies as code, run it through your CI, run it through CD on a differential basis, run canaries out there, um, make it safe and simple, um, is really sort of what we aspire to. Um, now with regards to, you know, policy hacks and covering off on different value chains and domains. It's really just about unlocking out-of-the-box value. I think you're right from a, from a um, you know, documentation perspective. You know, we try to be, we have lots of example policies, lots of, you know, detailed automatically generated from the code, reference material around all the capabilities. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, seeing things in the real it, and seeing what people are already able to do with things is, is one of the best accelerators for people learning. And so we try to offer tutorials and workshops around people um, learning how to use the tool. Because at the end of the day, when we get to remediation, I think a lot of it is very org specific. Like, and so you we will try to empower people in a safe way so that they can use those capabilities to go affect the change they want to see in their, in their environments. Funny story about that, because when we were rolling this out in our old org, there's this one team that they wanted to have their own policies, their own magic, because obviously the ones that we were writing wasn't like the best fit. And I think you have to be considerate of that option because obviously, you know, like I said earlier, there's no cookie cutter option. Every two teams have different policies. We can say, hey, 90 days is enough. Someone might say, hey, it's not. Or, hey, we can have our uptimes different or, you know, on and off hours. But I think being able to leverage in the, the benefits of like GitOps culture into this was definitely beneficial for the adoption of tools because what you could do essentially is saying, Hey, we'll give you the full access of, you know, writing your own policies, but you know, we'll just review it before we merge it into like the prod pipeline. And, and I think by giving the more access or control to the teams will help the rollout of the adoption throughout organizations or kind of ease their mind of saying, Hey, we're not really shoving this down your throat. We're trying to help everyone and promote everyone into best practices. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, businesses have to deliver value around their core objectives. And really what we're trying to do in cloud engineering, cloud infrastructure security is enable the business to do that, but do it safely. And so accelerating those core values around uh, delivering that business value is something that like is the reason the organization adopted cloud in the first place. And so we should all be trying to gear towards helping that, enabling that, but making sure that the organization is secure as well managed as coherent to its own desired policies. Fair enough. Now, what are some, I know we, we've talked a lot of uh, a wide range of things and before we do kind of like wrap this up, what are some common like gotchas that people should be aware of? I think we mentioned some of the common blast rays protection capabilities and, you know, around min resources, max resources match. I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we have been in the docs, but a lot of people uh, don't find those till after they, they've hurt, hit, you know, um, uh, cut themselves, <laughs> you know, uh, as it were. So definitely, I think that that's useful to know. And if you're dealing with lots of lots of accounts, like there's definitely a question on centralized versus decentralized. And I think that goes into a bigger philosophy or discussion itself around how mature do you feel about your own monitoring around operations. Like when you're deploying any open source, you know, especially in a production capacity, you have to be able to uh, monitor things appropriately, be able to, to, to know that it's operationally healthy. Um, and so uh, I think those are definitely considerations that I, I would, uh, you know, focus on. Um, but I think the first one is, is I think even, you know, as a precursor to that is, is understanding what you can do with the tool. Like we've seen people use a tool for, you know, two things. And then we've seen people use the tool for thousands of things. And if I asked the difference between why did this org only use two, this org use thousands, have thousands of policies deployed. It's only, it's really because of, do they even understand that there were other problems they could solve? That the problems they knew they had, but they didn't know that the tool could do. And that that's an education problem. And so um, we, we do workshops on a regular basis with the community on helping people understand what things are. Um, we're, and trying to invest in additionally into documentation beyond the reference material, beyond the example policies, like solid tutorial stuff that helps people walk through things. And we have a, a chat community in Gitter with over 1600 users, like, and, you know, uh, folks that are helping each other every day. Um, so, which I would encourage everyone who is interested about the tool to come hang out there and, and see, uh, you know, see what sorts of problems other people are solving with the tool. Uh, as a way for them to enable themselves to solve their own problems. I definitely want to uh, echo that because I found that as a huge, great like resource. Even if I'd never posted it in there, for instance, like what I first would always do, just use the search function, just to see if someone had asked my question before and just scroll through, like, oh, that is genius. I didn't think about doing it this way. And like, it, it was, it was like a phenomenal like environment and everyone's very friendly. And it's not like the, uh, Stack Overflow from 10 years ago where <laughs> everyone will come at you. We were very much, you know, I, 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 you know, grew up in like the early days of the Python community. <laughs> and I think one of the key values that that community had was, you know, being friendly, yeah. being helpful and collaborating, communicating with others. And, you know, from a code of conduct perspective, you know, we very much do value keeping things civil. Mm -hmm. uh, and understanding that everyone's in different places um, and helping them where they are. And, you know, I think that is, you know, I, I've seen 
other communities in um, bygone eras, let's say, uh, not do that. And I think they suffer as a result. And I think, you know, I think there's general awareness, recognition and growth um, of across organizations, across communities of the need to be more civil. Um, you know, even Linus Torvalds uh, in Linux Kernel, you know, realized that, you know, uh, sometimes the the best way of saying things wasn't always his gut or the hardest way of saying things. Um, sometimes it had to be more considerate to, to be well-received. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always in the Ansible forums on, on Reddit, and it's so fun to see those folks that are asking those like beginner questions few months later are the ones answering and helping others. It's like this cool, like little, like round Robin thing. I, I love it. That's how you create healthy communities and grow for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of like fun, you know? And then you're just like, Hey, like I was that guy like a few months ago or, you know, it's just, it's cool. Turning every beginner mind into a collaborate collaborator in your community is the best way to grow your community. I think that's going to be about it for this week. I just want to thank you again for taking the time, hopping on, talking shop with me. I appreciate it. I think everyone else does as well. I know everyone's probably learned something new and just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation to come here and, and tell you about Cloud Custodian. Uh, looking forward to, to uh, listening to the, the, the uh, finished product and, and uh, sending it out to uh, some of our users. Appreciate it. And as always, everyone, thank you. And until next week, take care.